Hello. You're listening to a service from the Hill United Presbyterian Church in Butler, PA. We're located at 501 2nd Street near the hospital. We encourage you to attend a service and experience the message and our hospitality in person. Today's sermon was recorded on February 23rd, 2020, and was presented and written by Reverend Lee Benish. It's entitled, Mountaintop Experience. This recording was done for archive and general purposes, and our first reading comes from Psalm 99. Let us listen for the word of the Lord. The Lord reigns, let the nations tremble. He sits enthroned between the cherubim, let the earth shake. Great is the Lord in Zion. He is exalted over all the nations. Let them praise your great and awesome name. He is holy. The king is mighty. He loves justice. You have established equity. In Jacob, you have done what is just and right. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. He is holy. Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel was among those who called on his name. They called on the Lord and he answered them. He spoke to them from the pillar of cloud. They kept his statues and the decrees he gave them. O Lord our God, you answered them. You were to Israel a forgiving God, though you punished their misdeeds. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy mountain. For the Lord our God is holy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, let's listen in on the service. Our gospel reading this morning comes from the gospel according to Matthew, chapter 17, and we'll be reading verses 1 through 9. And if you want to follow along in your pew Bible, you can find it on page 16 in the New Testament. This is Matthew's telling of Jesus' transfiguration. Listen now for God's word to us. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah, talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious God, as we gather together in this time of worship, fill this place with your presence. Help us to be your light bearers to the world. May we be transformed by your awesome love. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts gathered together be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the 2009 Pixar animated film Up, we meet a lovely couple, Ellie and Carl Fredrickson. Childhood sweethearts, Carl and Ellie bonded over their love of adventure and their shared dream of traveling to South America to visit Paradise Falls. But life happens, and one disaster after another causes them to deplete their trip savings. They grow old together in a home filled with love, but with one major dream that never comes true. Ellie eventually dies, and this, I think, is one of the most heartbreaking scenes in all of animated film history. We then see Carl, alone and grieving, becoming an old curmudgeon. Forced to move out of the home that they built together into a retirement community, Carl decides that he's going to follow his and Ellie's dream to go to Paradise Falls. So he spends an entire night filling up helium balloons, and we see just as the retirement home workers come to pick him up, he lets the balloons soar. He's going to Paradise Falls, and he's taking his house with him. But that's not all he takes. Unbeknownst to him, Russell, a young wilderness explorer scout who has been pestering Mr. Fredrickson, was under the porch and unwillingly hitched a ride to South America. We see all throughout this movie a touching and complicated relationship between Carl and Russell. Carl clearly sees Russell as a nuisance. He really doesn't want him there at all. He's so focused on his dream, on the past life he shared with Ellie and the process of making this dream come true that he all but ignores Russell. Russell, on the other hand, is striving to get to know Mr. Fredrickson better. He, as children do, asks a lot of questions. He tries to help whenever he can. We learn that Russell's father works a lot and that he really doesn't have a positive male figure in his life. So while Carl sees Russell as nothing more than an unwanted responsibility, Russell sees Carl as someone who could possibly give him the love and attention that he so desires. But Carl is stuck. He vacillates between memories of the past, of his dear Ellie, of the adventures that they went on, and the one they didn't, and the future of what life will be like once he finally gets to Paradise Falls. He's so focused on these things, the past and the present, the past and the future, that he completely misses the present. Today is Transfiguration Sunday. It's a day in our liturgical year which serves as that bridge for us between the past and the future. Here in this strange, strange story, we get a glimpse of the past. Up on that mountain, Jesus and his disciples, Peter, James, and John, encounter Moses and Elijah. Not only are they figures from the past, but they act as a reminder of how God has been present and has been working all throughout history. They represent the law and the prophets, the coming Messiah, mysterious deaths, and spirit-filled encounters with the divine. 
Here on the mountain, God also speaks through a cloud, quoting that same phrase that was uttered at Jesus' baptism. This is my son whom I dearly love. With him I am well pleased. Again, a reminder of what has occurred in the past. But this story also looks forward to the future. Jesus is transfigured. He's transformed. His face shining like the sun and his clothes becoming dazzling white. He also warns the disciples not to say anything until he has been raised from the dead. Both of these things, obviously, are foreshadows of the resurrection. The past meets the future. The saints of old meet the Messiah. And then there are these disciples, awestruck and dumbfounded by what they are seeing. Peter, always the first to jump in, of course, proclaims the goodness of this encounter, and he wants to mark it permanently. If you want, he says, I will make three shrines, one for you, Jesus, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Now, many transfiguration sermons will look down on Peter for this offer, but I'm not sure that's well-deserved. Peter recognizes the magnitude of what is happening, and he wants to do something about it. Just as his ancestors in stories of old, Peter wants to mark that place as special, a link to the past, but he also wants those markers for the future to have that tangible reminder of what happened up on that mountain. He's looking ahead. But as he is still speaking, God's presence fills that place with a cloud, halting the conversation right there. This is my son whom I love, says God. With him I am well pleased. But then there's an additional statement here that's not found in the baptismal proclamation. God goes on to say, listen to him. This transfiguration is a pivotal moment in the life and ministry of Jesus, and Peter's missing the bigger picture. Just like Carl Fredrickson misses the opportunity for a relationship with this young boy, Peter is missing the opportunity to build his relationship with God. His desire to be active and to do something inhibits his ability to just be in awe of what is happening. He's in the presence of three of the greatest figures of our faith, surrounded by divine miracle and mystery, and he's talking and rushing around and busying himself by creating a to-do list, and God just says, stop. Stop what you're doing. Be calm. Be still. Listen and observe. My, how we need that message, too. We live in such a fast-paced world, filled with fast food and fast cars and fast internet. We are always on the go, always doing something. Families are constantly running between school, sports, music, and all the other activities. And even for those who are done raising a family, I have often heard that many people are busier in retirement than they ever were before. Right, Pete? 
In a world with a 24-hour news cycle, more media than we could ever possibly consume, and the world right at our fingertips on our smartphones, and tasks that fill far more hours than we have in a day, we too need that message from God, stop. Just stop. Be calm. Be still. Listen and observe. Brother Lawrence was a 17th century French monk, and he made his life's mission just this. In his book, The, Present, the Practice of the Presence of God, he talks about how he strove at each and every moment of the day to focus on God's presence. This came from a meaningful experience he had when he was 18, what he considers his conversion moment. It was winter, and the trees were stripped of their leaves. And as he looked at the branches and considered them, he came to the realization that soon they would flower and bloom once more. And he became conscious of God's role in that, of God's presence in that tree and all around him. And from that moment on, he says, his awareness of God never dimmed. And whatever he was doing, whether it was in times of deep contemplative prayer or while peeling potatoes in the monastery's kitchen, Brother Lawrence tried to be mindful of where God was in that moment. Like all of us, of course, his mind strayed. But he made it his practice to steer himself back into that divine moment. He didn't worry about the past. He didn't look toward the future. He was intent on being in the present. He called this state of being holy inactivity. I like that. Some people saw him as foolish, wondering why he didn't have goals or dreams. But for Brother Lawrence, God's presence was enough. I cannot imagine, he wrote, how religious persons can be satisfied without the practice of the presence of God. Personally, he says, I dwell with him in the depths of the center of my soul as much as I can. When I am with him in this manner, I fear nothing. But when I turn from him, he says, it is unbearable. Now, we, of course, are not members of a monastic religious order. And 21st century America looks very different than 17th century Europe. But I wonder what it would be like if we put even a fraction of the energy of being aware of God's presence, as Brother Lawrence did. How would your worldview change if God's presence was your focus? What would it mean for you to take time each day to just sit and listen? to set that to-do list aside, to lay down the worries of the past or the future, and to just be. This Wednesday, we will gather together and worship again as we celebrate Ash Wednesday, the beginning of the Lenten season. Many people take up spiritual disciplines for Lent, and you will hear about some of them during worship that evening. I think this year, being mindful of God's presence is a practice I'm going to focus on. 
My life is incredibly busy, and especially lately, I've neglected to pay attention to how God is working in and around me. So this Lent, I am committing to be more mindful of this thing, more mindful of how God is present in my life, and I'm inviting you to do the same. Brother Lawrence says, Truly, we could give God no greater evidence of our trust and faithfulness than by turning from the creation to find our joy in the present moment in the Creator. I'm not suggesting, he says, that we completely disregard forever the outward things that are around us. This is impossible. But he says it is a common error of religious persons to neglect the practice of stopping for a moment in order to worship God in the depth of their soul and enjoy briefly the peace of communion with him. I invite you to take on that practice this Lent, to be mindful of how God is working in you and through you and around you. Give attention to God. Take time to just be still and listen. May you, be dis may you be surprised at what you discover. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you and have a great week.